Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for the ability to be together today. We thank you that you are worthy. And in spite of our unworthiness, you call us your children. Lord, now as I speak, I pray that you would get me way back and out of sight. And I pray that you would be front and center. I pray in your name. Amen. So we are on the second episode that we are talking about in our series, The Chosen, which we're taking the, um, the first ever multi-episode series based on the life of Jesus. It's called The Chosen. If you're not familiar with it, Google it. Um, if you are familiar with it, you know it's amazing. And uh, we are, this summer, walking through some of our staff's favorite episodes. Uh, um, and obviously, with three seasons, I think there's over 24 episodes, we're not doing a 24-part series. We're just going to do um, this month in August. And uh, so we're taking a look at some of our favorites. Um, and this week, we, we start off with season one, episode one. This week, we're doing season one, episode four. And the uh, producers titled this episode, The Rock on Which It's Built. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, but before we jump in too deep, I'd like to ask you to help me out with the sermon for a minute. I'd like to go ahead and put a, um, a little word cloud, minty word cloud up on the screen for you. And so the way that you can participate with this is there's a QR code. So just take out your phones. This is one of those times where we really do want you to take out your phones. Go ahead and scan the QR code. If uh, for whatever reason that doesn't work for you, you are more than welcome to go to menti.com and enter the code 6679-1452. So that number again is 6679-1452. So we want to ask you, what are the characteristics of a great leader? And right off the about strong, visionary, listener. So as you're adding words, we're going to see more words popping up there about what you think are the characteristics of a great leader. Charismatic, humble, honest, caring. So humble, listener, caring, those are all things that are really kind of staying up there as kind of uh, and by the way, the more you match words, the, the bigger the word gets. So the more of you that say a certain word, that, that, that word kind of gets bigger. Um, so empathetic, and it disappeared. What did we do? I don't know. I might have hit a button or something. You never know. All right, so I'll let those words continue to, continue to put in words as you think of them that, that are characteristics of great leaders. And, and as you're putting those in, I want you to ask you a question. This week's episode of The Chosen, episode four, season one, um, the main person that it really features is the disciple Peter. The disciple Peter, who we kind of often view as kind of the leader of the disciples. So as you look at the words that are behind me, 
that were behind me. Um, as, you, as, you look at, as you look at the words, the chosen, uh, hopefully we can pop that back up. But it's the, when you see those words come back up, I want you to ask yourself, do those, do those words describe Peter? Is that a really good and accurate, the words that you saw up there, there's a really good and accurate description of Peter. And <laughs> somebody said no. I would agree with you, actually. And that's where we're kind of going with this. So in this episode of The Chosen, what we, we discover is, is Peter has this big tax debt. Now, for those of you who weren't here last year, let's just go ahead and, and put a couple stipulations out there. The Chosen is biblically based, but they use their holy imagination to put details in that aren't recorded in the Bible. Okay, so we want to stipulate right from the beginning that when you're watching The Chosen, you should do it with a sense of, well, is that what the Bible says? Does that match up? And some of it will be like, well, we don't know. We don't know, but it could have been. And I remember taking a a theology class at uh, Southern Adventist University and having my professor, Derek Morris, some of you may know Derek, telling us, he said, you need to imagine like you were there. You need to put yourself there, what it smelled like, what it might have been like. He said, put yourself there and really go ahead and and feel what could have been going on because when you do that, it'll make the story more rich for you. And so that's what the writers have done with this episode. So did Peter owe a huge tax debt to the Romans? chances are good he did. The Romans like to tax people. And, uh, and just like, you know, Americans like to tax people too, right? And so the Romans like to tax people. And so, so it's completely within the realm of possibility that Peter would have had a, a tax debt. And so in this episode, Peter has this huge tax debt that he's gotten himself into trouble with, he and his family have. And it's, it's accumulated to the point where it's really a hard thing to overcome. And so Peter comes up with all these different ideas machinations, all these ways of trying to get himself out of it. He really works hard to get himself out of his debt. But no matter what he does, he keeps failing. He keeps coming short. He's not able to overcome this insurmountable thing. And the, uh, the writers, uh, in a stroke of genius, make it that Peter actually, the tax collector who's trying to collect from him is the, who will become the disciple Matthew. Okay? And Matthew lets Peter know that there is absolutely no way that he can overcome it. He just needs to basically submit to Rome, go to jail, and suffer the plight of not paying your taxes. But Peter's, Peter's sure he can figure it out. Peter's sure he can overcome it, but he can't. And so his last Hail Mary, he has one day left to pay. So that night he goes out fishing. And this is in the Bible that Peter goes out fishing in, in one night. And he goes fishing all night long and he catches nothing. And what I love about the chosen is they actually make that significant. Sometimes when we read in the Bible, we went out fishing all night and didn't catch anything. Oh, well, we've all gone fishing. We've not caught something. We get it. It's a different thing when your livelihood is on the line, when you're, when you're not going to be able to feed your family. And in this case, they really raise the stakes by, by making it that if he doesn't get a record haul, he is going to go to jail maybe for the rest of his life. So the stakes are high. He fishes all night. He catches nothing. His buddies try to help him out. James, John, their, their, their dad, Zebedee. But they don't get anything. Completely wasted night. 
And Peter's completely discouraged as he comes to the shore. And he hasn't met Jesus yet in the, in the chosen. And so as he comes to the shore, Jesus is there teaching a small group of his followers. And Jesus asks Peter if he can use his boat to preach from. Peter's unenthusiastic because you can imagine if you were about to go to jail for the rest of your life. And I said, hey, would it be okay if I borrowed your car <laughs> for the day? Right? That adds a little context to things, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you wouldn't be thrilled either. You'd be like, um, really, Ken? I've got bigger problems. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you want to, okay, whatever. And so that's what Peter does. Peter says, fine, use it, whatever. And Jesus gets done and he says to Peter, I have something, or before he says, I have something for you. And so that's where this kind of the climatic scene in this episode occurs. So let's go ahead and take a look at that scene. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. I got to admit, my my, one of my favorite moments in all the chosen is, is, uh, is Peter looking at Jesus and going, and Jesus going, because I relate. Have you ever done that to Jesus? And then later on had Jesus go. And can, and can we just be real for a minute? There's some of you that are waiting for Jesus to go. Okay, some of, you, some of you are still waiting, but I want you to know that 
that Jesus hasn't forgotten you. And he knows what he's going to do for you. So the interesting thing about this is I've told you that my sermons are going to be based off of these episodes. But what I really want to talk to you today has absolutely nothing to do with anything in this episode. It's actually, I want to talk to you about the title of the episode. The title of the episode is The Rock on Which It Is Built. The Rock on Which It Is Built. And if you watch this, this, this episode all, from beginning to end, at no point in the episode does it say, does Jesus say, because it's Jesus' words, the rock on which it is built. It does not show up. In, it is the only place that it shows up is the title. And I want to take, I, I, don't, I have not read, I don't know why the producers chose this title, but I'm going to use my imagination and tell you why I think it's significant, why it matters, why they use this title, The Rock on Which It Is Built. Because that title is taken from this Bible text, Matthew 16, verses 16 through 18. If you have your Bible, you're more than welcome to look it up to make sure I'm not making things up. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, it's right there on the screen for you. Um, this is the text that the title is taken from, and it does not, it has absolutely nothing to do with Peter's uh, fishing all night. Um, it has nothing to do with anything that happens in this episode. In fact, the context of these words that you're seeing on the screen is that Jesus is, is pretty close to the crucifixion, actually. He's pretty close. And he's talking to his disciples, and he says to them, who do people say that I am? And his disciples say, well, some say you're Elijah. Others say that you're John the Baptist come back to life. Some say you're a great prophet. Some say you're a great rabbi. And Jesus looks at them and says, okay, yeah, that's, what, that's what people are saying. Who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So, a lot of theological ink has been expended and used on the great debate of this text. You know there's a great debate, right, over this text? And the great debate runs around two words, this rock. The question is, who is this rock? Jesus says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. So who is this rock? Well, there are many, many viewpoints on this, but you can really narrow it down to four schools of thought about what this rock is. The first school of thought is the school of thought that the Roman Catholic Church takes, and others do as well. And that's that when Jesus says this rock, he's talking about Peter. So he says, I say to you, you are Peter, and upon you, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower the church. So that's one school of thought. Another school of thought is that it wasn't really Peter, it was Peter's faith. Peter's faith in saying that Jesus was the Messiah. It was the faith that Peter exhibited. And so when Jesus says, I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this kind of faith that you showed by acknowledging that I'm Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. That's another take on it. 
A third take on it is that it is Jesus' teachings. The third take is that this is Jesus' teachings. So I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon my teachings, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The final uh, take on this, the fourth take, is this, that it is Jesus. Not just Jesus' teachings, but Jesus, the Son of God, that is this rock. So this rock would be Jesus. So when you read it this way, I say also to you that you are Peter, and upon me, Jesus, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower the church. So which is it? Well, I could walk through you the arguments of all four, but I have one that I like, and I'm just going to be one side and tell you the one that I believe. <laughs> I'll just, I stipulate that. And if you don't like the way I believe, go study it further for yourself. All right? But I want to suggest to you that I really think it matters. Sometimes we argue about theological stuff that doesn't matter. Right? We spend a lot of time arguing about little things that, that really in the big scheme of things, they don't matter. I want to suggest to you that to me, this is one I will argue with you about. Gently and kindly and with grace. But to me, it really matters. It's not just a piece of trivia. It really matters what you believe on this. Because it will influence how you live your life. It will influence how you live your life. So let's go ahead and tell you what I believe. In my study of this text, I believe that Jesus is talking about himself. Jesus is saying, I am the rock that I will build my church on. And let me tell you why I believe that. It's important that I have some good reasons. So let's see if we can give you a couple good reasons. This text was originally written in Greek. It was probably spoken in Aramaic. So we have a translation to a translation to our English translation right now. So let's go ahead and understand that. But uh, the person who is reading this in Greek, who was fluent in Greek in that time, would have noticed something that we don't always notice in this text. And that's that when Jesus says, I say to you that you are Peter, the word Peter means rock, right? It means rock. So they would have noticed that. But what they would have noticed is that the name Peter is different than the word that Jesus uses for the other rock. He doesn't say, you are Peter and Peter I will build. He doesn't say it that way. There's, there's two different words. And what they would have understood because they are fluent just like you and I are, let's go ahead and put it into English and see if you notice it this way. And I say to you that you are a pebble. But upon this unmovable, ginormous rock, I will build my church. Does that kind of open things up a little bit? In other words, Jesus is saying, you're this big, Peter. I need to build on something a little bit more substantial. I need to build on something a little less flawed a little bit more substance, a little bit more width, depth, breadth. But if you don't believe me, what do you think the disciples believe? By the way, this whole conversation, Matthew 16, the, these verses, these are happening with the 12 disciples gathered around. 
And not too long from when these words are spoken, the disciples have an argument in the upper room just before Jesus is about to be crucified about who's the greatest. Now the question is, if Jesus had just got done saying, Peter, you're the leader, buddy. On you, I'm building my kingdom. What's the discussion in the upper room all about? You know who's in charge, guys. It's me. Jesus said it. But clearly, Peter doesn't pull that card out because he knows he's a pebble. He knows who he is. But if you don't believe me further, let's just ask Peter what he thought. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. You are coming to Christ. Jesus, uh, Peter is speaking. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. In biblical times, when you went to build a house, it wasn't like today when you dig a foundation, you pour concrete. You dug a foundation, but then you found a nice, sturdy, great stone that you made the cornerstone and everything else was based off of where that cornerstone was laid. The, the, the house depended on that stone being completely solid and able to bear the weight that was going to be put on top of it. And Peter says, Christ is the living cornerstone. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God with great honor. And you are living stones. So Peter recognizes he's a stone. I'm a stone. You're a stone. We're all living stones that God is building into a temple, a spiritual temple. That's what's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. That's why in this church, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. The word all is important, all believers, because we all are priests. The, the priesthood in the Old Testament's gone, and now all of us are priests. Pastors aren't some special holy group of people. We're just like you. We're just a stone that's being built on the cornerstone just like you are. Jesus says to us in Matthew 7, 24, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows is wise like a person who builds a house on the solid rock. Jesus' teachings point us towards him. Jesus is the stone. He is that rock on which his church is built. But it gets even better than that, family. It gets better than that because read the last little fragment of the sentence there. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, this is really an interesting thing because when was the last time you saw gates go to war? Right? Gates are defensive. They're not an offensive tool. So what does that mean that the gates of Hades will not overpower it? Well, let's go back to Greek mythology, which Jesus would have been very familiar with. Hades was the god of the dead in Greek mythology. And so when you talk about Hades in Greek mythology, that's where the dead reside. Now, in ancient times, the gates of a city, the gates of a city are what protect that city. They're the most fortified, the most heavily fortified area. And so usually when you tried to take a city, you'd find a wall to knock down first. You'd find a wall to knock down. You wouldn't try to go through the gates because that's the most heavily fortified area. So what 
Jesus is saying is incredible. I will build my church and the gates of death can't hold it back. Remember who busted down the gates of death? Jesus. Not Peter. Jesus. Jesus proved that the greatest enemy of all, death, was no match for Jesus. And you know what? Death is no match for Jesus' church today. We have been called to storm the gates of hell. Not because we're special, but because Christ has already taken them down. We've been called to go to the gates of hell, to go to the dead, the spiritually dead, and proclaim the life that's already been given to them by Christ, who proved it by knocking down those gates of hell. That's not something that Peter could do. That's something that only God could do and did. When you look at that word map up there, when you look at all those words, Peter turned into a great leader for Christ. But on his best day after Christ's resurrection and the Holy Spirit lived in him, he did not look like that. He didn't look like that. Not on his best day. I don't look like that on my best day. <laughs> don't forget, after he's filled with the Holy Spirit, what does he do? Some, some of his Jewish buddies come to town. And he quits eating with the, the others, the Gentiles, because he doesn't want them to think, oh, because he knows he's going to get criticism. So he stops and Peter actually rebukes him. He goes, how can you eat with the Gentiles when your buddies, the Jews are around? But you, you pretend like you're not when they are. So this is after. Peter was flawed, just like you and I are. And Peter had to learn something. He had to learn that he couldn't do it on his own. And that's what I love about this, this episode. This episode points out that Peter is not the rock on which it is built. It is the savior that creates the miracle that saves Peter. That's the rock on which it's built. You know, for those of you who weren't here when I first came, uh, the church did a little series telling about getting to know me. And uh, some of you were amazed at my family because my, my mother told a story about me that, that you guys were a little bit shocked about. Some of you here before will remember if you weren't here. It's, a, it's an embarrassing story, so I'll share it with you. Um, <laughs> So I, don't, I can't remember how old I was, but I was in diapers when this happened. I have no memory of it, thankfully. Um, but I was at my uncle and aunt's wedding. And uh, somehow I got loose at the reception. And uh, people started smelling something. And these are the days of cloth diapers. Um, yeah. And so my mother kind of suddenly realizes I'm not exactly with her. She starts smelling something. She realizes that things have gone horribly wrong and she starts following the trial of excrement to where I'm squatted in a corner. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. The sound effects are appreciated. And my mom goes in horror, goes to pick me up and I look at her and I say, no, I'm not done yet. How many of you are not done yet pooping your pants? <laughs> How 
How many of you are holding back from Jesus picking you up and taking care of the problem because you think that you can solve it, you can fix it, and yet all you have is a pile of poo that you're wallowing in, like Peter, thinking that you can somehow lead your way out. You're smart enough, you're bright enough, you'll figure it out. Jesus really asks only one thing of us, and I wonder if your answer will be Peter's answer. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. I will. Um. Now is the time of service where we get to respond to the sermon. And if you haven't already, those of you that are here in-house, you can join us on our website and just put a question into the chat room there. Um, I will say that this topic, well, for one thing, I watched the episode and I was like totally ready to talk about the episode. And then you uh, switched it a little bit, which is fine. You're the pastor. You can do what you want. Um, but Thank this, you for your permission, Stanley. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Um, but it, this was a little bit of a paradigm shift for me because I don't think I've ever looked into it further than your name is Peter and upon this, uh, which means rock and upon this rock you'll be built. And I've always taken it as Peter's a rock. And I think I've had, I had to maybe do some gymnastics to say, but I know Jesus is, you know, the thing that the rock is on top of, right? <laughs> you know, like, so, um, so I'm not sure what my question is. I'm getting to it, but it's just <laughs> the, uh, the whole paradigm shift for me has been difficult, but it, how did you get to this point, I guess, from the most literal English uh, translation of it? Uh, you know, uh, taking Greek twice, um, not because I enjoyed it, um, <laughs> uh, was part of it. But no, um, it is a little bit of a mind shift because... Um, but I think that if you look at, you know, we can talk about the episode. And when you start talking about the episode, I think what becomes really significant is all these people have these huge, huge problems that they're trying to figure out for themselves, that they're trying to figure out for themselves. And if you're really the rock on which all this is going to be built, you're in deep trouble because these are, these are deeply flawed human beings. These are not the cream of the crop. And, and that's one of the things that really gives me hope is that Christ didn't pick the cream of the crop to be his disciples. He picked normal people. He picked people mm -hmm. like me and you. He picked people. In fact, I, I thought it was interesting. Dennis Prager, I just finished listening to a book of his. And, and Dennis, who is Jewish, he's talking about when God tells the Israelites that he's chosen them to be his, his, his nation, his people. And Dennis says, and it says this in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, God says, I didn't pick you because you were the smartest or the brightest or the most wealthy nation. I picked you because of the opposite. You are nothing. And if I can do this with you, everybody else is going to go, wait a minute. And so when you look at Peter and the other disciples, Jesus is trying to point out, look, if I can do that with them, Look at what I can, you, I can do that with you too. And so, and so that's the beauty of the gospel right there is that we don't have to rely on ourselves. We have a firm rock. And yes, we're all rocks. And yes, we're all being built on. But 
the main rock, the, the, the load-bearing rock is Jesus, and we are just auxiliary. It's a little bit of the uh, Jesus qualifies the called but doesn't call the qualified. And even that conversation is saying, I'm going to call you a rock, but this is a rock on which it will be built. It's another call to follow me. And one of the things I didn't point out is that look at what Jesus says to Peter, even when Peter says, he says, you're the Messiah. And Jesus goes, yeah, you didn't fear that out on your own. God, my, fa- my, father, my father revealed that to you too, by the way. So that's, that's how bright you are. You didn't even fear out that yourself. And the, the amazing thing that we all ought to really take some time to really inhale and think about is that the Bible says every good gift comes from God. That means that whatever great insight you know, sometimes I'll get up here and I'll feel pretty proud about an insight I shared with you. And, and God slaps me and goes, I, you didn't fear that out. I had, to, I had to drop that into your slow mind and, and, and really work on you to get you to be able to share that out there. You didn't fear that out for yourself, Ken. That, that was something I shared with you and you're welcome to pass it along. I'm going to share one comment here before we have to wrap this up. But um, Kathy wrote, she just shared a thought of, my initial thought was that the faith of Peter was, uh, was the rock because it was as flawed as mine. Um, and as a Christian, I know that Christ is the rock and cornerstone and just uh, definitely giving her things to think about was her comment. And our faith does matter. Our faith is incredibly important. I, I love that aspect of it. I do think that there's a part of it that our faith plays into, the faith of recognizing and acknowledging. But what are we acknowledging? We're acknowledging that Christ is the rock. That's where the faith is at, that, that you are the rock on which I need to build and which I need to base my life around. Awesome. Now, I am noticing one thing here. You have the socks back, so I, I tried first week, to... First, yeah. Last week went pretty well, so I <laughs> yeah. wore them a second week. Really? I did really? wash them in between. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I wore a shirt with fish on it. So, yeah, it was, I was subtle. I didn't, I, it was so subtle. I, did, I, meant, I didn't really notice it yeah. and, until you mentioned that, but yes, you have fish on it, so... I am as successful as Peter was before Jesus at fishing. I've never <laughs> caught a fish, so... <laughs> But, well, I know there are a couple of fishermen here. We need to get you out fishing yeah, so would, you can actually cool. do that. Oh. That'd be cool. Hit me up. Hit me Little up. hint. But, okay, there All right. Is. Well, um, any other questions, feel free to send them in to podcasts at wholelife.church. And uh, the podcast comes out every Wednesday, and it's called This is Whole Life. And thank you so much, Ken. Thank you, Stanley. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Jesus, We all want to kind of be in control of our life. So help us to take the hand, pry our hands off of the wheel and then help us to follow you. Pray in your name, amen. All right, family, I love you. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church And our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation.
We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.